Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub. Coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing my husband's sermon on the kingship in Israel as part of the absorbing series on heavenly authority. We have come to this study on the beginning of the monarchy in the Old Testament through 1 Samuel chapter 8 and the people's request to Samuel for a king. Last time, Pastor went back into Deuteronomy chapter 17 to see the rules for Israel's king, which God had given to Moses centuries before in anticipation of this event. Now let's return to the sermon as Pastor Greg reads from Deuteronomy 17.15 You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as a king over you. You may not, you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So in foreknowledge, knowing they're going to ask this thing, he then gives them rules and regulations for how they should go about this monarchy. And you see, it's someone that God has to choose. Since the people are going to be obedient onto this man, they're going to give him everything. They're going to give money to him and power to him and armies to him and weapons to him. He better be someone that God chooses. So God is involved in the choice. And he must be of Israel. He must be of their people. We have a similar law in the United States where a president must be someone born in this country, not to have some foreigner over them. Well, why? He's not going to appreciate the things of that people. He's not going to appreciate the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the importance of having a brethren, a brother, over them. And you think in our nation, we have a law for president that he should be someone born here who knows this country, who has something at stake in this land, his family's from this land. But as we go towards a global society, how can we expect, if we're under a global power structure, to have people ruling over us from other nations who have no appreciation for the things in this nation and neither the God of our fathers. When we speak about Plymouth Rock, and we speak about the people that came here for freedom to worship Jesus Christ, what does that mean to some of the nations around the globe? The values that we have may not be their values. And yet, as you push towards a global society, you're really asking for foreigners to rule over a nation that God has blessed because of obedience unto him. And it's not wise. It's not wisdom. It was not wisdom for them to have a king from outside the nation. And you can see the great wrong done many centuries later when Herod the Great and Idumean of Edomite stock, his father Antipater, was Idumean. His mother was an illustrious Arabian. Herod the Great, who through his alliance with Rome, comes to power as governor, and then he becomes king of Judea. 
And you can imagine Herod's rage when the wise men from the east came asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. He was not of the nation of Israel. He did not fulfill Deuteronomy 17, 15. He was a political manipulator. And he appealed to the Jewish people by building the temple for them. Listen to that. He appealed to the Jewish people. They knew he was an Idumean. They didn't like it. Rome established him and they were bought off because he expanded the temple. He took the small temple that was rebuilt after the return from Babylon and he made it a splendid temple. Now the Antichrist may very well buy off Israel by again coming with a contract that will rebuild that temple. But Jesus was a son of David. Jesus was a son of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Jesus fulfilled this scripture and yet the leaders cried out, we have no king but Caesar when they desire Jesus to be crucified. Verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 17. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. He shouldn't bring this great power to himself, and he shouldn't make the people go out, out of Israel, back to Egypt, to do whatever they have to do to grab this power for him. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. You're where you're supposed to be. You're settled in the promised land. You don't have to expand with great power. You don't have to build up the king by conquest. He shall not multiply horses for himself. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Now, these are the things the pagan kings run after. Power, horses are uh, symbolic of armies, wives, many wives, money, much wealth. He shouldn't do these things. Verse 18, And it shall also be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And right there by him should be the law of God. This is, if you're going to have this king, if you want to ask for this king, this is what you should do. He's got to be one of you. And this king should not look for all the things the pagan kings look for. Now, you compare that scripture with what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 11 and 18, where... Samuel, anointed by the Holy Spirit, does just what the Lord tells him. He warns the people. He tells them what they're going to do by bringing in this king. Uh, the behavior of the king who will reign over you, who will take your sons, appoint them for his chariots, his horsemen. He'll have captains over thousands and captains over fifties. He's going to take your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers. He's going to take the best of your fields a tenth of your grain, your male servants, your female servants. And in that day you'll cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. There's an important Bible interpretation principle here. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, 
The Holy Spirit is prophesying what's going to happen. This is the nature of human beings. When you cry out for a king, ultimately you're going to wind up in this situation with this man lording it over you with much power, much wealth, many wives, taking. And that's what happens. When you read the rest of Kings and Chronicles, that's exactly what happens. It's a true prophecy. It's a true statement of reality and foreknowledge. But you know, some people say, well, that's just the way the world is, and you know, what can you do about it? Just because that's the way it is, and God speaks the truth about human nature and foretells what's going to happen, doesn't mean he doesn't write back in Deuteronomy chapter 17 how the king is supposed to be. So someone could say, well, if he knows the kings are going to be opposite from that, why does he even bother telling them, don't take horses, don't take many wives, don't take much money? Because even though a prophecy foretells the way it's going to be, the Lord still writes it down there for those few kings, those few who for the most part of their lives, like David, they want to do right. He tells them what they should do to give them guidance. And for all the rest, the majority that do wrong, he still tells them what they should do, that it would be a judgment stone against them when they don't do what they should. The Lord does not let the knowledge of the future and the wrongs of human beings stop him from telling us what we should do that there would be a remnant that'll listen and that it would still be a judgment on the others because it's right here what you're supposed to do. And no king can stand before God and say, well, wait a second, Lord, you said to the people that we would take their horses and their land and their money. You prophesied it. Could not the people in the last days say, Lord, didn't you say that we would become brutal and lovers of self and we're just fulfilling your scriptures? No, because he also puts in the scriptures what we're supposed to do. He knows most are not going to do it. The right way is narrow. Few there are that find it. The road to destruction is broad. And he prophesies what will happen in human affairs. But that does not stop him from telling us the responsibility we have for the remnant that will listen and as a judgment against those who set themselves against God to say, in my word I told you, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. The Bible still, even though it prophesies what will happen, it still proclaims his way, his will, and what we should do. So if the whole world is headed towards the last days and acting as the Bible prophesies, does not give us an excuse to act like that also. Rather, we should read the scriptures that tell us what type of people we ought to be in such a time as this. If they want a king, it can't be like the kings of the nations. They're supposed to be different, a different type of leader. And when you read about, in verse 17, neither multiply wives, does Solomon listen to that? No, right? And what happens? It brings down Solomon, right? And ultimately really leads to the division of his kingdom under his son. And he worships pagan gods because of his many wives. 
In a sense, it leads to David, the man after God's own heart, it leads to his great sin. Because by having so many wives, there's no one special. David lacks a special relationship, one man to one woman. So when he sees uh, Bathsheba bathing, he becomes lustful. Having all those wives doesn't help him, it hurts him. And the one problem in David's life really can be traced back to breaking of Deuteronomy 17, 17. And this king then, as he sits on his throne, verse 18, also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself. This should be a personal thing to him, his own personal copy, a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. He's got to have a Bible by his throne. Verse 19, it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, every day, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord keep you safe in his blessed hands as with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you serve him.